You're listening to Insights with Exonia Bank, a series of conversations from our experienced team of bankers. Today's host is Lauren Ruff, Assistant Vice President and Marketing Director, and she'll be talking with Lori Hybe, CEO and founder of Keystone Click. Lori is a digital marketing expert and will be sharing important tips to help your business grow through digital marketing. Lori will also briefly discuss her journey as a woman business owner. I'm happy to introduce Lauren and Lori. Okay, well, uh, Lori, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule um, and coming to speak to us today about digital marketing. I was hoping you could maybe just kick things off with a short introduction of who you are and what you do and you know what brings you joy on a daily basis doing what you do. Sure. So Lori Hybe is who I am, obviously. <laughs> CEO and founder of Keystone Click. We are a strategic digital marketing agency. Um, what we do is we invest time and energy into conducting research in order to build a plan that is really focused on helping our clients achieve their goals. And then we support the full implementation of that plan. Um, I, I absolutely love what I do. This is why I started the company in 2008 um, is because I'm extremely passionate about marketing and not only just executing marketing for others, but I love learning it. I mean, this, especially in the digital space, it's constantly changing. Um, And as someone whose core is really heavily focused on education, I also like to educate others and teach others and empower them to really have confidence in marketing their businesses. Cool. Um, If I remember your bio correctly. You're also a professor at a local institution? Yes. So um, I've taught at UW-Milwaukee. I've taught B2B sales and marketing and principles of marketing. Um, I've been doing that for um, a few semesters now. It's it's weird to count in years because you count in semesters when you're teaching. <laughs> um, but I, I absolutely love that. I try to bring as much real world experience into the classroom by bringing in either guest le- lectures or making the, the class project um, tie into, you know, working with an actual business so that they they understand the reality of what it's like to have that communication and, and relationship with a, a business partner as opposed to just, you know, in theory, creating a, yeah. a marketing plan or something. I'd like to say that I haven't been out of college that long, but it has been at least 10 years. But I do remember the best professors were the ones that made you go out and work with businesses. So kudos to you for that. So if I could just kind of give a little bit more background real quick, I, I wanted to ex- maybe explore why you, you decided to start Keystone Click. Do you have a background before um, starting this company in 2008? Can you just shed a little bit light of your journey leading up to that point? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll start in 2000 when I started going to college. I was actually a non-traditional student. I was working full time and going to school nights and weekends. Um, I was working at a web development company in town. So I've always had agency experience is my professional career. Um, I actually started going to school for commercial art and graphic design, and I switched my major to marketing um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, after taking a sociology class, I was really intrigued how you know messaging and visuals um, have an impact and very much influence people's decision making. Um, and then two, and this one's more kind of lighthearted, but the guys that were doing the sales activities were golfing and going out to lunch with clients and the designers were sitting at their desk all day long. So I'm like, I'm an outward person. I want to go out and meet people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I switched to 
to marketing. Um, so as, as I said, I worked at two other agencies um, prior to deciding to start uh, Keystone Click. I worked at a, a web dev shop and I went to a traditional agency where I was doing um, you know, outdoor, radio, print, and I learned a lot and it was fascinating. But I really found that my passion was in the digital space because there's just so much evolution that's happening in that area. That's a good segue into what I first want to talk about with you is just kind of an overall high level discussion on digital marketing. I'm, I'm thinking about our audience here and there might be some people that are listening that are not super familiar about digital marketing or it's super overwhelming. And so if you could just kind of speak to some some of the, you know, think of us as students, you know, what what would you do for a digital marketing 101 discussion? Sure. So the area that I'd like to start with is just thinking about your own habits. Whenever you have some sort of a challenge or a question or a problem that you want to solve, the first thing that we're doing the majority of the time now is going online. We're going to Google or maybe we're posting this question on Facebook or LinkedIn or something along those lines. And so as as just consumers or buyers, we've, we've taught ourselves over time that we can find the answer by leveraging the internet. And regardless of who your audience is, the majority of people are doing this at some degree. I mean, if you just reflect back and maybe, you know, keep a tally for yourself, how many times in one day did you actually go to Google? And and then the other thing I challenge everyone to do is actually write down the queries that they typed in and you'd be surprised how diverse what it is that you're actually typing into Google. So um, the reason I like to tell that is because the reality is if you want to show up as a solution to whatever that problem or challenge is, you have to invest time and energy to making sure that Google or whatever channel you're using understands that you are the solution and then that you show up. So that's really high level (laughs) what digital marketing is. Yeah. So, you know, looking at it from... If you're looking for a conversion to take place or a sale to take place at the end, um, which most businesses want, uh, you can't just hit someone aggressively and say, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. We all know as consumers, we don't like to be sold to, but rather um, we like to connect and follow and engage with individuals or brands that are either educating us or connecting with us on an emotional level. And that's really where that brand awareness comes in. So you wanna showcase your expertise, you wanna provide value, you wanna answer whatever that query was that they typed into Google so that you ultimately end up um, building trust with that potential buyer from you. And then when, when they've gone through that know you, like you, trust you funnel, and they're comfortable and actually potentially doing business with you, that's when they're actually going to engage you. And then you can move into that that lead generation approach. What are the different things that encompass digital marketing? I mean, you did touch on Google and LinkedIn, but are there other digital channels, as you say, that businesses also need, also need to be aware of? It, it can definitely be overwhelming. I mean, digital, yes, your website and your email list are probably the two most important things. And I, I'll, I can dive into that a little bit later. Okay. But social media is extremely um, popular, obviously. Uh, apps and, and engaging in mobile apps. You know, a lot of people have apps on their phones and they spend a lot of time on them. So putting your ad or messaging in front of that can be powerful. Um, audio platforms such as podcasts. Yeah. You know, you can get your message out there. Uh, video is extremely powerful. 
Um, and then there's a lot of paid channels too. So there's a lot of organic opportunities to get that exposure, but then the paid side, and that's where you're paying to get found, you know, listed in Google or in the uh, social media channels. Um, maybe you're subscribing to someone's or, or getting exposure on behalf of someone's email list. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of different ways, and and oftentimes it can be overwhelming. You know, you read articles, you go to conferences, and you you hear someone had success in one platform. Um, so I find a lot of business owners are overwhelmed with they don't know what to do. So oftentimes they're just sitting idle and not doing anything at that point. Um, and that's where we like to come in and say, well, you don't have to do everything. You know, you're not trying to be everything to everybody. You have a very specific audience that you're trying to get in front of. So let's identify where that audience is hanging out. And then let's put your message in front of in front of them in that specific channel. What you're talking about, you do for yourselves too. So you are trying to put yourself, and what, um, what I mean by that is Keystone Click, out there as the solution to their problems. For those companies that are stuck in the mud with what to do with digital marketing, you come in and present yourselves as the guide through that. The way we do that is through education. And oftentimes in the B2B space, that is the best approach to take, is to educate um, your audience uh, to really showcase your expertise and the value that you can provide to them. Why Why do you say that? Why do you say that education is the best approach? Um, you're building trust then. You're willing to give away some information. Um, you're, you're building that thought leadership. And you're positioning yourself in a way that if you're providing value, which is that education, then that um, potential audience is going to want to hear more from you. And then you're ultimately establishing a relationship. And again, in, in B2B, um, oftentimes a relationship is a critical factor when it comes down to actually generating that sale. We experience that on the bank side where we find that it's all about the relationship. Yeah, creating that trust. One of the questions I have to kind of wrap up this segment on digital marketing was why a business should invest in digital marketing. Maybe another way to kind of ask the same question is, again, you know, should they be investing in, in digital marketing or should they just start with the organic, like you said, um, website and email and social media? Sure. So there's there's definitely a lot of different ways to look at that. But I would say 100% every single business needs to be online. I mean, at the very least, you need to have a presence so that if someone gives a recommendation to do business with you, more times than not, that, that person that received the recommendation is going to look you up online. You want to make sure that that you're found and you're actually confirming and verifying whatever that recommendation was. Um, so 100%, I think it's worthwhile. And the other side of that, I mean, there's there's definitely paid, there's stuff that you own, and then there's there's earned media opportunities, which is like getting interviewed on a podcast or another publication, you know, writing some content about you. So there's lots of different ways to, to dive into the digital marketing space. But if you're producing content that you own, the beauty of it is that it's going to live a very long time. So, you know, you're recording this amazing podcast for Exonia Bank. It's not just one and done and it disappears. I mean, anyone can jump in and listen to these episodes at any single time. And this is content that is going to live for a very long time. Um, and help to, you know, attract and build that relationship and trust for potential customers um, for many years to come, as long as you have the content still live. Yes, just focus on, you know, strategically focus on what's going to be the maybe most impactful and then build from there. 
can we kind of go shift gears to kind of what's ahead in digital marketing? You know, what are some of the things that you guys at Keystone Click are starting to see as maybe emerging trends in digital marketing? Absolutely. So one of the areas that I think is really something to think about is um, AI and and chatbots. And I want to go a little bit deeper on chatbots because um, I've been following this for many years now, and the technology is getting smarter and smarter. And that's how that integration with artificial intelligence is coming in, where um, the best way to describe this is, you know, we've all made phone calls where, you know, it's like press two for sales and press three for customer support. Yeah. So we're already familiar with that experience. Mm-hmm. And that is very much what's happening in the chatbot world is they're, they're saying, hey, we're here to help you. Here are a couple initial options, you know, instead of press one, press two, press three, it's, you know, are you interested? Is this your question? Or do you want to see this demonstration? Or, you know, so they're giving you some initial um, inquiries to help you through this process before actually putting you in front of a live person. So there is a couple of ways to handle chat in general. You can have a dedicated live person, which is no different than, um, you know, a customer service phone line where someone is there answering the phone. As soon as someone calls, it's the same thing with chat. You have to have someone ready to go whenever um, a chat is triggered. Or you can use the the automated approach with AI and collect as much data points about that initial individual. And then if someone is on and they want to actually have a conversation with the live person, then they can move it to that individual, but a lot of data has already been collected. And it also gives time for that live rep to to see, oh, someone's on, I should be ready just in case as opposed to, you know, I'm sitting here waiting patiently for someone to start a chat with me. Um, And then alternative is, you know, you're just collected the information. And then, you know, you can say, we'll have someone call you back in a couple (laughs) minutes, or we'll get someone to email you in a little bit. So you can just collect all the data and then automate the final response that transitions to a human eventually, Um, or it can just be 100% automated. So um, there's a lot of different ways to set that up. What's important is to have that um, decision tree really well fleshed out before Mm -hmm. you put any sort of automated um, information out there. So think about what your typical FAQs are. How are people asking you questions? What what do they ask your customer support team when they're mm-hmm. when they're on the phone? Okay. Those are typically the types of questions um, or your sales team. You know, what are the questions that they're asking? Those are the same questions that are likely going to show up in that mm-hmm. chat. And make sure that whatever that conversation is with a live person is going to be the same message that's communicated in that automated response. Yeah, I, I think about, you're right. People are kind of familiar with the, the experience of when you call like a 1-800 number and you kind of go through that, press one, then press two, press three. It's I've actually had a couple of experiences recently where I've had to use the chat feature with one with like our email marketing vendor. I was having issues with exports information. So I started typing what my issue was and you can kind of tell that there was an automated feature to it. And then um, a human <laughs> customer service rep came on and, and, and finished the conversation and helped solve my problem. So um, another one was Amazon. And I think they do a really good job with their their chat feature as well. Oh, sure. Well, they've probably been using it a lot longer than I think some <laughs> other businesses have. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, though, is that the majority of... Um, 
site users, especially in that uh, millennial and is it zillennial? I don't. What's the oh the next generation? Down. The next generation, the yeah. younger generation below <laughs> that. Um, I mean, they're living in the world of instant gratification, so they want that response immediately. And if they don't get it, oftentimes they're going to the next person who's going to give them that response. So. Mm-hmm. From a business standpoint, regardless if you're business to consumer or B2B, I mean, there's a number of these decision makers that are in the B2B buying spot. Chat will help to increase that conversion rate significantly. You just have to make sure you have some really strong business operation plans on how you're going to manage it. Because the last thing you want is a potential client initiating a conversation and you know there's crickets on their end. Yes, definitely the last thing that you want. Are there any other trends that you you see on the horizon at Keystone Click that um, maybe our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, I think personalization is something that's becoming stronger and stronger. And we've probably may have seen this already in a number of platforms. I mean, not only uh, as I talked about in live chat, oftentimes, you know, that that AI will say, can I get your name first so that they can just reference your name consistently um, which there is proof that that allows you to connect with them a little bit more and, and you're establishing trust when they are using your name as opposed to just you know generic messages. Um, but a lot of the personalization is tied to automation, whether you're using some sort of marketing automation platform or you're sending you know email marketing out and it's plugging in your name automatically mm-hmm. or the subject has the name in it or or even I've seen, um, uh, text messages, you know, coming in where you can tell it's automated, but it is personalized. And there is something to be said about um, that personalization, that it, it does increase um, overall engagement and connect you with that, that messenger more so than, than it would if it was just a generic uh, message being pushed out there. As a marketer myself, I keep hearing content, content, content. So are there any like tips or pointers that you're willing to share about content and kind of where we're headed in that direction? Well, 100%. I am the biggest advocate of creating content. We probably produce way more content (laughs) in general. Um, (laughs) The goal is to showcase your expertise. Um, and there's a million different ways that you can produce that. You know, we, we've talked about this a little bit in that you, you know, blogs or videos or emails, images, um, podcasts, you know, there's, there's new social channels that you can push this content out. Um, and you want to, uh, repurpose your content as much as possible mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, so I always like to use the example and I'm, I'm sure you guys do some of this too with your podcasts. You know, it can it can be transcribed and then it can be converted to a blog post. And then you can pull snippets of that and make short, you know, either audio social posts or, or text social posts or make fun images out of it. So, yeah. you know, one piece of content isn't just one and done. Um, it can live for a very long time. But as I spoke to a little bit earlier, you want to make sure that you're creating content that is evergreen and has a very long shelf life because mm-hmm. um, that's the way of the world is everyone's on online, especially with, you know, this uh, pandemic that we're in, we're definitely spending way more time online now um, than we have in in quite some time. And I I think I shared with you, Lauren, last time we chatted that uh, there's been some data that said the speed of conducting business online has um, been expedited by about three years because of the pandemic. Wow. Because of the fact that 
so many people were not able to, you know, meet in person or networking and some Mm -hmm. businesses that have historically done all their business in person or, um, you know, by networking meetings or handshakes were forced to change how they conduct business. Yeah. Um, So, and, and just uh, online traffic increased significantly across all channels at the onset of um, the pandemic. And I imagine a number of things that have been happening, such as, you know, virtual networking meetings and, and presentations with clients and whatnot. I'm sure we're all eager to be in person again, but mm-hmm. a lot of this will still maintain, I anticipate. I was thinking that this morning, actually, I was like, well, if we were still all in the office doing this and, you know, we were recording this episode, we were likely going to do it in person. But that is the beauty of this pandemic is, you know, we can still do the things that we need to do, but then it just shifts to virtual. Sure. It definitely pushed a lot of people outside of their comfort zone. But Mm -hmm. I I mean, there's definitely some positives that have come out of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of touched on this before, but you, you started your company in 2008. You're a women business owner. I mean, you started this company when I was thinking about the timing is during a recession. So, um. I kind of want to just hear from you, you know, I know a recession and a pandemic are kind of different animals, but both of them offered like obstacles. How did you stay resilient through those, well, now, so um, these difficult times sure. to still grow your business? Those are, those are great. I mean, um, my own determination, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> when I started the business, um, yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought I was crazy because I, yeah. I had left a perfectly good, stable, salaried mm-hmm. position to, to start my own, um, start my own thing. And, um, I basically communicated to every single person on this planet that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and that's kind of what we're doing now. I mean, at the end of the day, there's there's data that says um, during a re- you know historically during a recession, the brands that continued to market were the ones that either maintained status quo or grew, grew yeah. post recession. Mm-hmm. Those that disappeared and were silent basically shut their doors or had significant losses. So um, having a really strong voice and just providing uh, resources, knowledge, expertise uh, has been something that I've always been an advocate of. And I'd say, if anything, um, during the pandemic, we, we elevated our, our message to just um, educate others that, you know, don't go quiet right now. You have yeah. to continue to market. You have to continue to let people know you exist. Otherwise, you are going to be struggling more than you are right now. So just keep being active. And if online's a way to do it, then, then don't disappear. You know, if you're out there looking at stuff, then comment and like and post and educate and, and share your, your expertise with the world. That's how you're going to continue to survive and potentially thrive when this is over. I, I do have to say that you guys at Keystone Quick have done a wonderful job in, in sharing that information and knowledge. I mean, um, I've, I've partaken in your your webinars, which you guys do on a very regular basis, and I always find useful information from. For the for the benefit of our listeners, can you share where people can find you? I mean, what's your website? What what social media platforms are you on? Yeah, so Keystone Click is our website. If you're interested in learning more about the webinars, and you're right, we we basically publish them every other week. 
So, yep. um, <laughs> which yeah. when I look back, I'm like, wow, that's 26 webinars in a year. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, at the start of the pandemic, we were doing a weekly and I was like, okay, we got to put the brakes up. <laughs> we'll just do them every other week. Um, you just go to keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. Um, and you'll get a list of all of our upcoming webinars, but we also have listed all historical ones. And if you just, um, signed up, you can have access to all historical webinars that are, uh, pre-recorded and uh, available to watch them. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you're also, where can people find you? Are you on LinkedIn? Extremely oh. active on LinkedIn. I share a ton of marketing knowledge and insights on LinkedIn. Um, and just mention this podcast if you if you want to connect. So I know that you you um, were listening and, and that's where you were interested in connecting with me. Awesome. Well, I think we've taken up enough of your valuable time today, Lori. I just want to say thank you again for, for you know, sharing your expertise. And um, I look forward to working with you in the years to come. Absolutely. We love working with you guys. Right. Thank you thank so you. much. This is a ton of fun. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be sharing more stories in the episodes ahead. So if you like the information you heard today, please make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wishing you all continued success. We'll talk to you soon.